Oh man, what's going on, Brooklyn? This is nice. Yeah, I can't believe we're shooting this in Brooklyn. I can't believe it. My family actually used to be able to afford rent on this block, so it's nice to be here. And full too, sold out. New York is back. I don't think there's any debate about that anymore. I knew it for a while though. I knew during Gay Pride Weekend. That's when I knew New York was back. Officially. Like, I saw a dude in a thong and a face mask. I was like, how are you horny and responsible? I was like, it's like the city is healing. This is nice. I'm sorry, I didn't get to ask. Uh, did everybody have a good pandemic? I've been greeting people like that. That's a test. Most people get it. They laugh. That's a joke. But other people get nervous because some of you really did have a good pandemic. Remember when we thought everybody was having a bad year? That's not the case at all. Some people had the best year of their life during 2020. Everybody here knows at least one person that made $150,000 on unemployment last year. Now they don't want to go back to work at Home Depot. Wake up every day just praying for new variants. Like, I can't go back to work. You ain't hear about the Harlem variant? Like, bro, they need cashiers. You need to get back to work. What are you doing? I got vaccinated as soon as I could. Right away. Not right away. I waited until Cardi B made a TikTok saying it was cool. Then I was like, all right, it's safe. Some people don't want to get vaccinated, which is that's up to you. If you want to get vaccinated, it's up to you. Completely your choice. But if you don't want to get vaccinated and you want to talk about it, please remember to make up a good excuse why you don't want to get vaccinated. <laughs> I had a conversation with this dude the other day told me he wasn't going to get vaccinated because he thought the whole pandemic was created just so they could make a vaccine, put a chip in the vaccine, and then inject the chip so they could keep track of you and everything you do. And I was like, first of all, you work at Chick-fil-A. Nobody cares about what you do. Y'all got great customer service, but the government isn't discussing you at the Pentagon. I promise you that. You're free to come and go as you please. I don't believe about the putting the chip into everybody, because I feel like if you wanted to put a chip into everybody's arm, you don't need to create a whole new disease. You could just make a vaccine for a disease that already exists. Something we trust, something we know is real. Like, sir, honest question. You think anybody be refusing the vaccine if they announced it was a herpes vaccine on the way? No, I see your face. You're like, is it coming? When can I take it? Yeah, all the men in here. I saw how happy y'all got. We'll all take it. You don't even need to call it a vaccine. You can straight up call it the herpes chip. We'll still take it. We don't care. Anytime a girl bring up using a condom, you'd be like, babe, don't worry about it. I'm on the chip. They're tracking me. The government knows. Don't worry about it. Some people try to pretend like last year didn't even exist. They try to just erase it from their memory. I don't like people like that. You gotta hold on to your accomplishments. Whatever you was able to accomplish last year, hold on to it. It matters, you know? Like I found out about wine during the pandemic. Yeah, I didn't know about wine. They don't tell black men about wine. No one tells us. White women, you know about wine. Yeah, they know. I found out from my doctor. Like, did, did you guys know this? Did you guys know? that drinking one glass of wine with dinner every night could actually help you feel like you're better than everybody else. I was like, why isn't Fauci talking about this? America needs to know red wine appears beautifully with a pandemic. 
I turned 30 during the whole thing. I don't know if it was turning 30 or if it was the pandemic, but I turned into a middle-aged white woman during the lockdown. <laughs> Straight up. My boys called me during the lockdown, like, yo, you watching the game tonight? I'm like, the game? Nigga, Meghan Markle is on Oprah. <laughs> Snitching on the whole family. You still worried about LeBron? Nigga, you need to grow up. <laughs> the game. That's what I do now. I drink red wine and mind other people's business. <laughs> In private, like an adult. That's my favorite drink, red wine. I love red wine. Cause you only need one glass to get to where you need to be. I see people out partying, taking shots. I'm like, just order a glass of wine. I don't know how rappers aren't rapping about red wine. I don't, cause rappers, they sell alcohol, but it's always the hard stuff. It's always like vodka or tequila. But if you listen to their lyrics, rappers get very emotional. I'm like, this don't sound like tequila. Every rap song is always the same thing. It's always, I'm better than you. I'm tougher than you. I got more money than you. I'm like, nigga, you been drinking Malbec. Cause that is exactly how I feel when I'm scrolling through Instagram in my boxers on a Friday night. So I know what you mean, Gucci man. I get it. I got involved in the stock market last year. That was a big deal for me. I'm a stockholder. Thank you, thank you. I don't know if you guys are doing as well as I'm doing, but if you save up like $37, you could buy stock in a company. I bought three because I had a really good fourth quarter last year. But you don't got to start at the top. You could just work your way up to where I'm at. And I see some young people in here. I don't know how much y'all know about finance, but I'll teach you guys this. When you buy stock in a company, you actually become part owner of that company. So I'm not trying to sound like I'm better than anybody else here, but I'm not just a comedian. I'm also part owner of Delta Airlines. Oh, thank you. Look. That's fine, I appreciate it. Listen, y'all don't gotta clap, it's cool. I'm not one of those arrogant CEOs. I don't need that type of acknowledgement from anybody. To be honest, I don't even like to talk about it. I swear to God, you wouldn't even know unless you check my resume, LinkedIn, or Tinder. That's the only place I talk about it. I tell you guys the truth, I don't even think Delta told the employees yet. I don't think the employees know who I am. I'm serious, I was flying back home from Chicago and I got my boarding pass and I was sitting in zone three. And I was like, zone three? This is weird. But I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna make a big deal about it. I guess it's just gonna be like an undercover boss type of situation. I'm gonna get to see how my employees work, you know? I didn't make a big deal. I didn't try to fire anyone or anything like that. But I did try to board the flight early. When I got to the gate, the gate just stopped me. Could you believe she stopped me? She didn't know. She didn't know who I was. She was like, sir, we did not call your zone yet. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, miss, you must not read your emails. But I own $111 worth of this company. 
so I'll get on whenever the hell I want. Bridget. I'm thinking about selling, to be honest, if anybody still has their refund check. We can talk after the show. Work out a good price. And like I said, I'm 30 now, so I'm, I'm dating. I'm trying to figure it out. You gotta figure it out in your 30s, that's what they say. And I think I'm a good person to date. Like, I don't judge women, you know? Like, I own a company, she doesn't have to. <laughs> and I don't care about your past, neither. A lot of times women think guys care, I don't. I was on a date once, girl told me that before me, she used to date former New York Giants all-star wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> And then she was like, but I hope that doesn't change anything for you. And I was like, I'm cool. But if you used to date a professional athlete before dating me, a lot of shit is gonna change for you. Things are gonna be different now. I guess you thought that would make me insecure, but I'm not delusional, I know where I stand, okay? I'm not at the point in my career where stuff like that makes me insecure. I do shows in basements for 15 people every night of the week. That's where I'm at in my career. I don't need your pity claps. I'm at the point in my career, if me and professional athletes are dating the same type of women, that then becomes a highlight of my career. Yeah. I remember I got up, I stormed off. She thought I was upset. I wanted to update my Wikipedia page. It's like, hold on, babe. My fans need to hear about this because me and Odell are like the same person, basically. And we didn't work out. I couldn't do it. It's too much pressure. I spent a whole relationship wondering, how do you go from dating Odell Beckham Jr. to just dating me? We had nothing in common. I mean, at the time, Odell had just signed a five-year, $95 million contract with the New York Giants. But then one day, it hit me. Because I had just signed a two-year, unlimited everything contract with AT&T. So I was like, oh, she like guys with money. Okay, I get it. I see what it is. And I'm getting pressure now that I'm in my days. I'm only 30 and I get pressure. It's like, Ian, you're not no spring chicken anymore. You're getting old. Getting old, you know, I think about settling down. It's mostly women that tell me that. Because I think women forget that men never really feel like we get old. We think we're vampires. We think everybody else ages and we just stay the exact same. Like I got an uncle, 64 years old, got divorced, got a new lady, she's 65. He's going around telling everybody he got himself a sugar mama. I'm like, nigga, aren't you diabetic? You're not allowed to be on insulin and have a sugar mama. I don't think that's allowed. I think if y'all was eligible to get the vaccine in the same group, that is your partner, Mr. Lawrence. You gotta claim her. I didn't even know about sugar mamas. I, I thought that was a joke. I knew there was older men that was paying for younger women. I didn't know it was older women that was paying for younger men. I found out about it through a friend of mine. She recommended it to me. She was like, you know there's a website where you could go on, where you could find older women that'll pay you up to $1,500 a week. You don't gotta sleep with them. You just gotta talk to them a couple nights a week. And I thought about it, $1,500, a lot of money. But I could never do that. What if my family found out I was doing that? I come from a traditional Catholic family. Somebody pays me $1,500 a week, I'm obligated to sleep with them, okay? I can't deal with that guilt. What type of person? What type of person doesn't sleep with somebody giving you $1,500 a week? Like, you need to look for Jesus, you need help. That's not, you're not a good person. 
And here's the, the big difference about dating in your 30s, which I didn't realize. When you're dating women in their 30s, they don't got time to waste. They're dating you for a purpose, you know? Maybe they want to start a family. That's the thing. At the very least, they're going to want to meet your family. Because that's one thing I had to learn. In your 30s, your family becomes part of the dating scene. I didn't know that. <laughs> women want to meet your family. It lets them know that you're serious about the relationship. No one told me this. Because men, we don't want to meet your family. <laughs> we hate your family. We're trying to take you away from them. <laughs> We don't even let you keep their last name, isn't that? Isn't it? Why are we still doing that? We treat your family name like it's an old iPhone. We're like, throw that away. You won't need that anymore. You're upgrading now. This is better. Leave that for the less fortunate. And I grew up, you know, my family, they're Dominicans from New York. So I don't really introduce people to my family. I don't want to say they're crazy, but they're different, you know, different type of family. And I've dated other Dominicans, and they get it because they're born into it. But I've also dated white women, because I live near a thrift store. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes white women, you guys insist on meeting the family. It's very important to you. You're like, when am I gonna meet your fan? I try to win, I'm like, listen, you're not ready to meet them yet. <laughs> but you guys are saying, you're like, no, I'm ready. When can I meet them? I'm ready. My family's crazy too. I got an uncle who says inappropriate things sometimes. So I'm ready, I get it. I'm like, inappropriate things. I got an aunt who gets possessed. Yeah, you ready for that? Are you prepared to deal with an exorcism at the Red Lobster? Are you ready for that? Because white women, y'all think therapy solves everything. But I promise you, a therapist won't be able to help you deal with the mental baggage that comes from watching somebody catch the Holy Ghost and then 10 minutes later just order biscuits like nothing happened. I promise you that's going to keep you up at night. I can't break people into that. I gotta warn them. I can't, that's, that's not fair to do that, you know? Cause sometimes she gets interactive with it. That's what she do at parties. She get possessed. She like to go up to people, give them random messages, pretending that it's coming from the afterlife. But she's just freestyling. She doesn't know. She don't know. She's just making it up. One time I tried to call her out on it. I'm like, these messages ain't from the afterlife. And she heard me. I was in front of people, she heard me. She looked over to me and she looked me in the eye and she was like, Ian, you need to stop eating ass and fix your resume. I was like, maybe these messages are coming from the afterlife. Because I did have to get my shit together. I did. She, was, she was right about that. It's not even the craziest person in my family. The craziest person in my family is my cousin Ralphie. My cousin Ralphie is a career auxiliary police officer. I don't know if y'all know what that is. He volunteers for the New York City Police Department for a living. 20 years, nobody knows how he pays rent, buys groceries. We don't ask, they don't pay him, not one cent. They give him a uniform though, but it's like a fake cop uniform. Like, you ever seen a cop uniform where you're like, something looks different about this uniform. This don't look like the uniform the cops wear. And he'll wear it out, he's so proud. He'll wear the uniform out on dates, family events. One time we had, a, uh, my nephew was getting baptized. He showed up to the baptism in a cop uniform. People thought we got a stripper for the baptism. I had to explain it. That's Ralphie. That's just how he dresses. Don't. He's one of those people that like to give advice. Like you got family like that, they give you advice without you asking for. He's like that. Like when he found out I was doing comedy, he came up to me with a serious face. He sat me down. He was like, Ian, listen. If you're gonna be doing comedy, first thing you need to understand is that, like me, you might not make a lot of money. I was like, I made $145 doing stand-up last year. I'm already in a different tax bracket than you are. Give me advice, my career's taking off. I'm doing well. And my parents, they're not better, they don't get it either, you know? They're old school, they want me to settle down too, you know? 
Like my mom, she doesn't understand. She's like, Ian, I don't understand why you can't just go out and meet somebody. Like you're always out. Why don't you just meet somebody when you out? I'm like, are you crazy? I can't just walk around meeting people. It's 2021. You gotta meet online now. I don't know if we're ready to admit this yet, but in today's world, meeting online is the appropriate way to meet another human being. That is how everyone should meet. In fact, whenever I talk to a guy today that tells me he met his girlfriend in person, I always feel like the guy's kind of a pervert. I'm like, hold up, so you were just walking up to women? And speaking to them? That's disgusting, okay? You need to be on some type of list. I don't know who raised you, but we don't speak to women. You find them on Instagram and send them a message like a real man. I think in a couple years, we're gonna see that on an episode of Law and Order. Special victims unit. Just a man walking up to women, saying, good morning, and then walking away. Detective Benson gonna be like, we gotta get this pervert off the streets. You don't speak to people in the morning, that's disgusting. And I see some couples in here tonight. Before I get out of here, I do wanna give you guys some advice. And I know I'm only 30, single, never been in a long-term relationship, can't keep a woman. But I do have advice for the couples in here. This is serious. If you wanna be happy in your relationship, this is what you need to do. This is real, I Googled it. You need to find your partner's love language. Have you guys heard about this? It's the way your partner feels loved. You take a test to find out. I don't know where you find a test. Women just know. They know, they'll send it to you in the middle of your work day. You gotta drop everything you're doing and take the test so she knows how to love you. And it always comes from a trustworthy website, right? Something like menareworthlessgarbage.com. And you gotta pretend you know the website so she don't get upset. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but it's amazing what they can do with science now. They can ask you a couple questions over the internet. And based on your answers, they can determine how the rest of your life is gonna turn out. Easy questions. They'll be like, how do you like your steak? And you're like, medium well. And they're like, you'll never satisfy a woman in the bedroom. <laughs> like, wow, you can tell that off the steak now. Okay, this is, this is nice. This is a millennial thing, by the way. Millennial, our parents didn't grow up with a love language. I know that. Because I was on a date once, before I even found out about it, a girl asked me what was my love language. I was like, I didn't even know what that is. She was like, like how did you feel love from your family growing up? And I was like, oh, threats of violence. <laughs> my mom would threaten to murder me and then she wouldn't and I would be like she loves me <laughs> some people never got threatened to be murdered as a child and it shows <laughs> it shows it's very important though you got to find out you got to find out where you stand the love language is important I take the test at the beginning of every relationship now because I had one situation with an ex I took the test saved our relationship you know it turns out the way I felt love was quality time and words of affirmation and the way she felt love was having sex with other men so so we broke up but that's what I'm saying you got to take the test so you know where you stand that actually happened. I dated this girl for eight months. Eight months we dated. Then I found out she had a fiance who she lived with. How crazy is that? I didn't even find out. He found out about me. He called me up. He wanted to fight. I was like, first of all, she broke both of our hearts. 
We are family now. We need to stick together. If we're gonna get through this. You're the only man that knows how I feel. Why are you treating me like this? Men can be so selfish sometimes. You know, he found out he read a text message. As he found out, he went through a phone, read the text messages. I had no idea one night I was in the shower. I got out the shower, I looked at my phone. I had like 30 missed calls from this girl's phone number. I was just about to call her back, see what she wanted. I got another incoming call from my number. I picked up and it was a man on the other end of the phone. He was mad, this is what he said. I said, hello? He was like, yo, is this the little man with the pretty ass eyebrows? <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know what to say. I was... Of God, I wasn't expecting. I was like, pretty alright. Yes. Uh, this is he. How may I assist you? How may I help you? Thank you for noticing, bro. He asked me straight up. He was like, "Were you sleeping with my fiance?" I told him the truth. I said, "I, I didn't know. I didn't know she had a fiance." I was honest with him. You know, told him the truth. Long story short, I get a call from this girl the next day. I'm thinking she's calling me to apologize. She calls me up. No apology. She's mad at me that I told her fiance the truth. Like I was supposed to have her back. And women try to hurt you when they upset. You got, I ain't low. She's like, by, by the way, just so you know, sex with you was at best mediocre. And I was like, just so you know, that is the nicest thing anyone's ever said about my sex. I was like, mediocre, I'm getting better. I gotta, I gotta update my resume. Mediocre Sex Ian, that's my website, if anybody's looking for it. And I don't think I'll ever understand what it is that woman. I used to think I was a good catch. I used to walk around thinking like, all right, who wouldn't want to date me? You know? But I was on a date once, girl asked me to tell a little bit about myself. And I had some accomplishments, so I got a little arrogant when I was telling her, I was like, yeah, I went to college. I got my degree in economics. After college, I had a nice paying day job. And at nighttime, I was running around doing comedy, following my dreams. I used to think that was the kind of things that women were into. But after I finished telling her that, her reply to me was, she was like, you know what, Ian? If you were over six feet, I would definitely hook up with you. Don't feel bad. I don't care about what she said. It's just the way she said it. Like she was acting like I wasn't being ambitious enough. Like if I work hard, one day I could be over six feet. But I'm just not applying myself. I got upset. I was like, what are you, scouting power forwards? Why you need to date? Why you need to date these giant men? That's what she said. She was like, Ian, listen, women, we like to date tall men, because when we're with them, they make us feel more safe and protected. And I was like, all right, I guess I kind of understand that. But then I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute. How much shit are you getting into that you need to walk around with this extra security all the damn time? And like, I'm not a tall dude, but I'll still protect you. What do women think? I'll protect you. Like we're gonna be out on a date, having a good time. Some dude's gonna run up to you and grab your ass. You're gonna turn to me, and I'm gonna be like, bitch, I'm only 5'7". <laughs> you knew what you signed up for. Protect yourself. At this point in my life, I'm like 85% sure this is as tall as I'll ever be. I'm 30, I think this is it. I don't care though, I'm confident, this is who I am. Cool with it. Growing up, I used to hear a lot of short jokes. One of my favorite comebacks used to be, you guys probably heard it, I used to like to say, it ain't the size of the boat, it's the motion of the ocean. But I don't know who came up with that saying. Cause two years ago I went on a cruise and I immediately realized that the size of the boat is extremely important. 
I've never heard anybody come back from a vacation bragging like, yo, that was the smallest boat I have ever been on in my life. But man, did the captain know how to work it. The way he handled it, nobody even noticed it was a small boat. He was good, he knew what he was doing. And it does feel nice to record this in New York. This is New York City, because I feel like, thank you. I feel like we got hit the hardest out of everyone, not just because of the pandemic and everything it caused in the city, but also, you guys remember just 12 months ago, every article in the newspaper was talking about New York City is dead. Remember when it was like, New York City is done. It's never coming back. You remember that? I was like, oh, you're gonna go back to Wisconsin? What are we gonna do without you? <laughs> I don't know how you bet against New York City. This ain't no pop-up city. <laughs> We do this, you know? This ain't Austin, we, we've been through it. <laughs> I remember growing up in New York, I used to think everybody loved New Yorkers, and then I started to travel, and I found out nobody loves <laughs> New Yorkers. People hate us, I didn't know this, they don't like us. They think we're rude, they think we're arrogant. I think we're misunderstood. <laughs> New Yorkers are not rude, it's just, we deal with so many weirdos on a daily basis, it's hard for us to care about what the rest of the country cares about. Like, they don't live like us. You know? Like, there's places in this country right now where people are arguing about gender pronouns. How stupid is that? People will argue with you about how you ask them to address you. In New York, nobody's arguing about that. Because we've been dealing with people thinking they're a different person our entire lives. You want me to call you they? I'll call you they. There's a crackhead in my neighborhood, I gotta call Beyonce. That's what he go by. He used to be Henry, one day he changed it. No warning, we was like, good morning, Henry. He was like, nigga, it's Beyonce. Then he pulled his dick out, started peeing on the bus. And we respected it, we was like, oh, lemonade. Okay, we got it. We don't got time to argue with you. We gotta go to work. I'll call you whatever you wanna be called. It don't matter. One time, it got awkward. Got to argue with this one time. This dude wanted me to call him King. He told me his name was King Jonathan. And I had no problem. I was like, I'll call you King. But I wanted to make sure. I kept asking him, like, is King your first name? He got upset that I was questioning him. He's like, don't worry if my name is King, okay? I think a King is somebody who knows their worth. And I know how much I'm worth. So I consider myself a King. I was like, cool. But Uber says I need to look for a Jonathan. I don't know if you want to send them an email and let them know about your kingdom, but they probably don't know. Because you drive a Toyota Corolla. This is how much I love this city. I was recently in South Carolina and uh, I got picked up at the airport by my Uber driver. He was asking me about the cost of living in New York City. And I was like, listen, it's very expensive. You wanna live in a city, you're gonna have to get some roommates. You split the bills, you could probably get a place for like $2,000 a month. He couldn't believe it, he thought I was exaggerating. Then we pulled up to the red light, there was a big house for sale on the left. It looked like a mansion and he pointed to it. He was like, do you know that in South Carolina for $1,200 a month, you could have that entire house all to yourself? Then he whispered to me, he was like, the only thing is, neighbors in this area could be a little racist. 
But I'm such a New Yorker, I'm just always looking for a good deal. I heard $1,200, racism included. I was like, how many bathrooms? It started making me think, how much money would I need knocked off my rent for me to be okay with racism? I'ma deal with it anyway. I feel like I deserve a discount. And I thought about it. It depends on the neighborhood. Williamsburg, it's expensive. $500, you could come burn a cross on my stoop once a month. No questions asked. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to look for a bargain. One of the biggest knocks people have on us, they say we live in a bubble. That's like what people like to say. You guys live in a bubble. Y'all don't know how it is to live anywhere else because you guys are stuck in the city and y'all think everybody live like y'all, which I think is true. You could get stuck in New York. You kind of think everybody just lives how you live. Because I remember a couple years ago, I was out of the country and I was flying back to the United States. I got selected for random questioning at the airport. And I hope it was random and I didn't fit some type of profile of somebody who would commit this kind of crime. Because in the middle of a crowded airport, custom agents came up to me, they were like, hey man, we need you to step out of line. We gotta ask you a couple questions. And I'm not hiding anything, so I'm confident. I'm like, all right, go ahead. First question, they asked me, not making this up, they were like, to the best of your knowledge, are you carrying an excessive amount of animal or human semen in your carry-on luggage? <laughs> True story. And I don't know if it's a fact that I'm a comedian or the fact that I was born and raised in New York City made me immune to questions like this. But when they asked me that, all I could think to reply to them was, I don't know what you guys consider excessive. <laughs> I mean, Larry, you guys are great. Thank you guys.